Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Um, you know, the sermon series, uh, it's a three-week series and we're on week two today. Um, but yeah, just, just during our time of worship, you know, just really... I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening around the world at the moment, and especially, you know, the big uh, thing of, of Samoa and stuff. So please continue to pray uh, for Samoa and, and also just for, you know, just what Fee had brought up about healing and things like that. We're, you know, we are, we're a church that believes in healing, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Um, and we've seen God do so many things this year with a lot of uh, some of your lives that have been sitting in here that you've, you know, asked us to pray for you and, and different things and and um, it, it's cool, um, you know, that um, that we could do that this morning as well as we pray. Um, you know, and just this word this morning, I want us to just make sure our hearts are open, okay, to, to hear his word. Um, and I, I'm really praying that it does challenge us and or encourage us at where you are at in your life uh, this morning. You know, when you come and think about a, a Christmas sermon series uh, like this one, Promise Fulfilled, uh, it's easy to just think that we know it all about Christmas. You know, I used to be someone that um, every year, every time Christmas would come around, I'd always think, oh, what are they going to talk about this year? Is it going to be something different or the same thing? You know, um, and uh, I, I just want to encourage you, if it's something that you've already heard, um, I want you to really uh, take it to heart and see what God is showing you, okay? Um, if it's something new, I want I want you to... Um, be open to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you this morning as well. And so I'm looking forward to this word. You know, for Christians, um, you know, the majority, you know, many of us, obviously, we're here in church. Christmas, it's about Christ, right? And um, you'll find a lot of times now, you may have a lot of friends that are like this today, but there are so many Christians, not just, just all over around the world as well, um, I know a, lo- a lot here in, in, you know, here in New Zealand. Um, Christians seem to be busy with life. And, you know, that, that celebrating Christmas in a church community now, in a Sunday morning or whatever other day they, they would run their services on at, at different churches, but celebrating Christmas in a church community, it's not important anymore. Um, you know, over the last... Uh, I think, well, it's, it's almost 20 years, 20 years next year with every nation uh, that we celebrate, you know, um, being here in Auckland. Um, and I've seen people come in and out, not, not, not just every nation church, but just Christians in general uh, that I've walked with outside of the church as well. And a lot of them are, are not interested in church anymore. And the thing is, some of you might not be interested in church as well <laughs> um, coming And the routine of being, I mean, I've been in this church for almost 20 years. Um, And I've had my journey at different times in those 20 years where I've gotten bored of church. And I've, you know, sort of lost interest. Yet my whole time of being part of Every Nation Southside for 20 years, I've been serving nonstop. So even as I've served, I've gotten bored of church. And that's a dangerous place. That's a very dangerous place. And I'm sad to see a lot of my friends and a lot of people um, 
you know, sort of drift away from, from church um, and still be Christian. Um, that, that's cool. But you can't forsake fellowship. And in a church environment like this, you can't get that anywhere else but within a church spiritual environment, a church community that God designed. Um, and, you know, but a lot of us today as Christians, I mean, the, the ones that are non-believers, they, they have no interest in being here. But the Christians, us, you know, we, we've slowly getting caught up and we're getting bogged down. You know, deadlines need to be met at work. And, you know, you just don't have, we don't have the time to commit to things here in church. And, I mean, I know the feeling. I definitely do. And, and I had to fight that mindset um, a lot before I was full-time here in church. And uh, it was a hard thing. But, you know, even as I work full-time here today, um, I can get caught up making myself busy, right, uh, as, your, as the pastor, and busy in doing the Lord's work, if you want to put it that way. But in actual fact, I can become so busy that I can forget what it feels like to have a relationship in Christ as a senior pastor, as a human, <laughs> as a follower of Christ. And so I can physically turn up the church and be fake about wanting to be here with you all. Some of you probably do that sometimes when you come on a Sunday morning. Let's just be honest. And this image behind me of, of the zooming lights of cars on the road, they represent how much of our lives can be in a rush in this season during Christmas. One of the most important seasons of our Christian life, <laughs> the birth of Christ, as well as Easter. And, you know, the neon light lights that are, you know, um, on the title there, you know, the promise fulfilled represents how we look, how we look like and how, how we like to look flash on the outside, right? And I was sort of saying earlier, we've all pulled out our summer clothes and hopefully we still fit them all, you know, or hopefully we've lost weight so we can go and buy new stuff. Um, you know, and we, we let everyone know, look, man, hey, yeah, look at me, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking good. And, and, good, and life is good here during my season of Christmas. You know, have you ever caught yourself this past week or even today when someone had probably this morning has said, man, how you been? What's usually been the first thing that comes out of your mouth? Man, I've just been busy. <laughs> you know, man, I've just been full on. Work is so busy. And so we come in and we walk in with this mindset and, and you know, yet... It's great to be honest, but, you know, the, yet on the inside, you, you can be the most unhappy Christian <laughs> sitting in this room today, especially during this festive season. And today is a, is a little bit of, of, it's a little bit of teaching uh, sort of focus today. And my main aim is that you'll be able to just take some of this teaching today and apply it to your current life right now during Christmas, okay? And I'm not sure if you are aware of the book of Luke in the New Testament, or the Bible, hopefully you are. But in the first two chapters of Luke, of this book, there, there are four songs, four songs or poems that are sung by people uh, during the birth of, of Jesus. 
Uh, last week, we got to hear from Kennedy, and Kennedy brought us, you know, a great teaching about the first song that was mentioned in the book of Luke, and it was the song of Mary, um, you know, Mary, mother of Jesus, uh, Mary's song. And, and his song, um, one part of it is pretty much about, uh, her song is pretty much about trusting in God because she was chosen, right, to, to be the mother of the Savior for all humanity. And so today I want to briefly bring your attention to the second song mentioned in this Christmas account from, from the book of Luke. And it's a song sung um, by a man named Zechariah. Now Zechariah, Zechariah's song is interesting because many of us, I don't know, many of us may not know much about the story behind the man himself. You know, we, we always hear or are familiar about the Christmas story, right? And it's about Jesus, about Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the, 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 the wise men that came to visit Jesus, you know, at birth, the innkeeper, you know, that allowed Mary and Joseph to stay in, in his barn. Uh, we hear the angels that are, you know, that are there um, just telling different people, at, you know, about the, the nativity of Jesus. But very rarely, or maybe not at all, do you hear much about Zechariah? <laughs> and so I want to introduce you to Zechariah if you don't know him. Because this guy, along with his wife, they play an important part to, to the promise fulfilled in the Christmas story. And so, you know, before Mary's visitation from the angel, you know, the angel tells her she's going to become, you know, miraculously pregnant. And the life of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, Actually, this story comes before the story of Mary. And look what it says about Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verse 6. This is what it says about them both. Both of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And so both Zechariah right, and, and Elizabeth, they came from descendants um, of priests. And so Zechariah naturally grows up becoming a priest, uh, and he's representing the people of Israel on behalf of God. And I want to make something clear here. You know, the people of Israel at this time, they haven't heard God speak to them for 400 years now. This is just before the birth of Christ. Before that, 400 years. That's 400 years of silence. No word of any promised Messiah. No glorious temple promised to them like how it was promised to them in the Old Testament times and from all the Old Testament prophets. And by this time, the Israelites thought God had forgotten them. So, you know, many of them moved on with their lives, building a life with little thought about God and His word and His promises. And in that time of the story, for, the, for those past 400 years, the God of Israel was silent. And having no guidance from God for those 400 years, they begin to hear a different voice. The voice they begin to hear and the voice they begin to listen to is their own voices. And it's the voice of things like a successful career, you know, a successful family, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, politics, 
learning how to survive, I don't know, holidays, their voices become much louder than anything God had to say to them. And like any normal person like you and I, right, it makes a lot of sense to base your life on what you can see, what you can taste, what you can touch and experience than what you would hear about from a story that was taught 400 or a long time ago. (laughs) So 400 years had passed with no voice or signs from God. And the Israelites, they carry on with the life and they don't really have too much interest in God's old school promises. However, this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they thought otherwise. You know, they, they thought God's word from long ago. They thought about it. And they had something to say to their, you, you know, and they just believed that God's word had something to say to their present time and to the future ahead of them. So this couple, not only were they listening, right, to God's word from 400 years ago, they were living out God's word as well. But there is also another interesting part to this story. And it's this part here, and it talks about them. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And the second part of, and they were both very old. As much as they were known to be a godly couple, right, who lived righteous lives before the Lord, one major struggle in life for, for the both of them was they couldn't have children. And so they were childless. And to make things work uh, worse, you know, in, by this time of the story, both of this, this couple, they were, they were just both way too old to have kids of their own. So that wasn't just an unfortunate situation, you know, to not be able to have children. What made it more challenging, you could imagine, right, if, if back then that there were people probably gossiping about the goodness of, of God in their lives, but then how could they live blamelessly, like it says in those verses uh, before, how could they live blamelessly before God and yet not receive the blessing of having children? Because in that culture, the next generation was important. Your family line was important. And as a priest, Zechariah, as a priest, you know, everybody that lived in the village or town, that'd be, man, I'm sure they'd be talking about this. (laughs) How could there be a man of God who was not blessed with his own kids to be able to carry on his name? Now, as I think about Zechariah and Elizabeth at this time of their lives, I want to say this. When God decides to include people in his plan, one thing is age is never an issue to God. The Bible is filled like with old and young people, you know, accomplishing his plan according to his will. And so you and I, we need to keep an open mind to the way God leads so you don't disqualify yourself because of something that you think or even maybe you know you lack. Maybe you think your age or, or maybe it's something physical that, that you feel disqualifies you from being used by God in your life. I want to remind us, you know, to, to renew and transform our minds, yet listen to God's voice and allow Him to work you through a life worth living in obedience to Him. 
when it's his plan, right, and it's his will, the journey of life in Christ, man, it is awesome. <laughs> it may not be easy at times, but it is so worth it. You know, I'm, I'm 43 years old now. I remember that. My, my wife always thinks I forget my age. Sometimes I do. I think it's the old past of life. But, you know, I'm, I'm 43 now. And I, I've shared this a lot of times with, with many of you. That I never thought I would be alive today. You know, my life expectancy was to just live till I was about 25 years old. And then somehow I'd, I'd die. And that was something deep in me that I thought for my life. You know, I wasn't too sure how I would die, but I guess I had some random ideas of how it would happen. Um, one classic one was if I was in a car chase and the cops were chasing me, and then we crashed, you know, and just before we crashed, I'd say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Oh. I just thought those random moments as this little gangster that was stealing cars and getting himself into a lot of trouble, being chased by the police, I just thought, yeah, that's how I'll give my life. Just before I die, I'll be able to, Jesus. Oh. I, I, you know, because I just thought there was no fun after the life, after being 25. And the reason why, because after 25 meant I had to become responsible. <laughs> and I didn't want that. I just wanted to party. I wanted, you know, to live life to the fullest and then die young. It's a bit of a rap song right there happening, isn't it? Cut a long story short, right? It's seven more years. In seven more years, I'm going to be 50 years old. Man, that's half a century. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and if I can be honest with you, with me... And wings, we don't plan to be senior pastors of every nation, Southside, forever. Why? Because we're all about the next generation. This church will grow to new levels in God's time when we need to pass the baton on to the next generation of church leaders. And this is our dream for every nation, Southside, that the next generation after us will do a way better job than we could ever do once it is passed on to them, and, and we'll get to sit down in the pews like you to cheer them on. But until then, I'm sorry, you still got me, man. I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And because we, we still, for us, we still know that we have a lot of work to do and to help set it up for our future leaders. And so I, I hope as I share this to you all, I share it because I want you to sense the passion I have to be alive today. I'm so grateful that I didn't have, I hadn't ended my life in my early 20s. And so when it's his plan and when it's his will, I tell you, I, I guarantee the journey, right, that is hard at times and great at other times, the journey of life in Christ is awesome. Now, coming back to the story of Zechariah, living through the motions and, and doing his priestly duties, 
and he and he knew people were talking about him and how God had not blessed him, you know, with with any children. So it was a kind of embarrassment, I guess. He, it was quite shameful that he had, you know, a bit of shame that he had to carry around. But let me share with you what happens next in the story in verse eight, and it says this: When Zechariah went on duty as a priest, serving as as the priest before God, verse 9, he was chosen by drawing lots. You know, when you pull the straw and you grab the short straw and then you're the winner. You know, he was chosen by drawing lots. And with that, he was, he wanted, he pretty much was able to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all of the other priests and all of those that, are, uh, that assembled worshippers were praying for him outside. Now, this next part is interesting because Zechariah at that time, did you know that he was one of about 18, one eight, 18,000 priests living in the nation of Israel at that time. And because there were so many of them, it was twice a year for one whole week at a time that these priests, they would be called together to come into Jerusalem to serve at the temple. And so as one of these 18,000 priests, right, as they all come to the temple, they draw lots, and one priest is chosen to carry their incense, you know, that particular week or that of that time of year. And also for them, what if they were the chosen ones, then they were to go in and they were to pray for the redemption of Israel, and they were also to pray for the coming of the Messiah. And they were to do this all on the inside of this temple um, in this area called the Holy of Holies, and Zechariah's name is chosen. He's the chosen one to do it at this time. And he knew being part of 18,000 priests, he may never be chosen again for this opportunity to do these priestly duties again. But here we read that he's the chosen one. Now, Zechariah, right, had never been inside the temple before. So it's a, it's a one-time opportunity for him. And he probably, certainly, you know, he would have sat down and listened to the priests who had been chosen before him in the past. You know, and they probably had told him what to expect, you know, what the Holy of Holies looks like inside, where ev everything is positioned, how to swing the incense burner. And he was probably told to go in and, and say the prayers in a certain way, you know, to, to pray for, for the redemption of Israel and then also pray for the coming Messiah to come and, you know, be our, our victor. And so he does that. And then when he, you know, they're telling him, and when you're done, then you just come out. All done. And I mean, he knew what to expect, right? And so as he walks in, getting ready to, to do his priestly duties into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and lo and behold, look what happens. He walks in, and this is what happens in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was griped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And it's like, man, think about it. You know, he, he pulled the short, the, the straw, he cast lots, and he was the chosen one. It's like winning lotto, I guess, for him. The highlights of his career as a priest, and he is, pick, uh, he is picked by casting lots, 
out of you know 18,000 priests to burn incense in the temple. And while he's doing that, before he walks in, an angel appears before him. Now that's not normal. And he's, ex- you know, he he wasn't expecting an angel. None of the priests told him about what to do, you know, if an angel appears. And so as you can imagine, man, Zechariah is surprised. Yet the angel tells him, man, don't fear, don't don't be afraid. And I want to bring your attention to some of the words that the angel says in these verses before us. And it's these very words here. It's, your prayer has been heard, or your prayer has been answered. Let me clarify here. Two of the most important prayers have been answered here that the angel is referring to. Number one, the first part of the prayer, God has heard Zechariah's prayer about desiring to have a child. And so God blesses Zechariah and Elizabeth to finally be able to have a son, and they name him John. And this guy, he grows up to be known as John the Baptist. And as you all may all know, John the Baptist grows up to be the advocate for the coming Messiah. And number two, that is connected to the second prayer of this point here, that the whole point in the first place that Zechariah was chosen out of 18,000 priests, you know, to go into the temple and to pray for and on behalf of Israel. And how does this prayer get answered? Well, that prayer of, of asking for redemption for Israel, it comes through the birth of Jesus the Christmas story. And so this is two prayer requests for the price of one. It's a promise fulfilled. Yet further in the story, Zechariah has this has, has a little bit of doubt about having his own son because, you know, his son John, because he's telling the angel, pretty much, I don't know whether he's arguing with him or he's questioning the angel, you know, and he's telling the angel that he and his wife, they're just, they're way too old to have kids. And because of his unbelief, man, Zechariah, he's, the angel puts him in his place pretty much. And the way he does it, the angel, he literally silences um, Zechariah. Zechariah becomes mute. He can't talk. He isn't able to say a word, and he can't say a word for the next nine months, right up until the birth of his son, John. And during that time of being mute, being silenced, it's, it's during that time that Zechariah's faith, man, it actually eventually, uh, eventually begins to grow. And during that time of being silenced, nine months of being quiet, nine months of listening, nine months of paying attention to God and his heart, it finally began to dawn on Zechariah that God's plan was coming to fruition during his lifetime and that the miracle of his son, John, was just part of the preparation for the coming of the Messiah, which is Jesus. And so during being mute, right, and silenced for nine months, not only has he become excited that his son is born as the advocate for the coming Messiah, but Zechariah, he's also excited that a Messiah would finally come after 400 years of silence. We know him as Jesus, the Christmas story, the promise fulfilled. And with this whole backstory on the life of Zechariah, I want to read to you his song. His song that maybe a lot of us don't even know existed, you know, his prophecy, his poem, but, you know, because it's 
it's not much of a big emphasis that we always focus on during this Christmas period and the Christmas story. But let me read you these verses. And this is his song. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago through the preaching of his holy prophets. And deliverance from our enemies and every hateful hand, mercy to our fathers as he remembers to do what he did, he'd, uh, said he'd do, what he swore to our father Abraham, uh, a clean rescue from the enemy camp so we can worship him without a care in the world, made holy before him as long as we shall live. And, and you now, this part of the song, he starts singing about his son. That's my boy. And he starts singing about John. And you, my child, the prophet of the highest, will go ahead of the master, of the Messiah, to prepare his way, present the offer of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins, and through the heartfelt, uh, heartfelt mercies of our God, God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, then showing us the way, one foot at a time, down the path of peace. You know, I want to finish this short message by sharing a lesson here. By the way, John, uh, sorry, Zechariah, he couldn't talk for nine months. As soon as he could speak, he sings that song. So God was working in him those nine months where he couldn't speak. And he was probably struggling along the way. He experienced seeing an angel and he came out and he couldn't tell everyone an angel. <laughs> I just saw an angel. And so he's sitting there, silent, can't talk. You know, as Christians, or as a follower of Christ, or maybe you're journeying in Jesus right now in your way that, that maybe not, not, may not be the best, but you want to, to get better at it. As Christians, there are times when you, you'll be waiting, and you'll be or anticipating for something great to happen, but sometimes you'll be overcome by being challenged, being challenged to be patient. And even during this time or your time of being patient, it's hard because you can end up being filled with doubt because as you wait, it's not happening. Or, or you may be filled, often you get frustrated. It's like these are those kind of moments or our moments that I want to say that they've been, it's a time or, or it's a moment of being silenced by God. Some of you are thinking, man, I've been silenced for the last 10 years. <laughs> well, I've been silenced for this last week. I'm, I'm trusting in God and something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that it's taking a lot longer than you think. I feel you. Have you ever thought that your long wait on something that you've been praying for is God silencing you so you can turn to Him again 
and then learn from what He's doing with you in this time? You know, it helps to remind me that, that God didn't make Himself evident to the Israelites for 400 years until the, the birth of Christ. So I think, okay, it's not going to be that long then, Lord, for me to wait. And I'm encouraged about he, how he silenced Zechariah for nine months so that after the nine months of not being able to talk, the first thing that came out of Zechariah's mouth was the very song that we hear him sing about the Messiah, which is Jesus. And the advocate to share about the coming Messiah, which is his son, John. God was at work the whole time preparing the way for Zechariah. A lot of you know that I have this uh, slight back injury, hence the reason why I'm sitting. Some weeks I'm standing, and some weeks I'm sitting. Now this back injury I've had um, since July, and it's, it's playing up, to be honest. <laughs> and I can't do much about it at this time apart from just going to rehab, you know, getting rehab uh, to slowly strengthen it. And so for me, as I said before, at the age of 43, right now, at times, I can get a bit nervous. I can get a bit nervous about it actually never healing properly. And my patience, it's been stretched. It's running thin. And it's running thin at times, to be honest. And so I have to fight against doubt. And I have to fight against frustration. But guess what? I'm seeing this time as a time of God making me silent. Now, I know he's trying to show me something during this time of my slow healing process. Otherwise, it would have been healed a long time ago. I believe that. But it's almost been like six months for crying out loud. <laughs> and at times I get impatient. And pretty much every day I get impatient. I'm, I'm sh I can't sit still because it's, it's sore. But I'm okay. Because I know that God will eventually show himself strong in this testimony one day. And I want to say, God can and he will redeem the silence in your life. Whether you've been crying out for the salvation of someone that you love, or maybe like me, trying to restore health for yourself, or maybe praying for someone else's health, and you're waiting for God to, to heal them, or for an end, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're waiting in silence for an end to your financial hardship that you've been under, or maybe there's stress and mental strain of life and you're just hoping for it to just ease, let me tell you that God is still working, even when you cannot see 
the evidence of it. And I really believe uh, this, this healing, uh, this injury in my back, it's actually, uh, I really believe it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a testimony. It's supposed to be a testimony for you. That when I preach up here, I can't sit still because I'm always in pain. But I'm fighting through it because I'm trusting God. Now that's a physical pain. What more can you do in your spiritual battle? That when you're going through hard times, when you're struggling, are you willing to fight through that pain as well? Because I tell you, when in His plan and when in His will, and when you follow the journey of Christ, it's so awesome. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I believe you're here. And so, I know once you are no longer silenced, when that time comes, just like Zechariah, the song of Zechariah is a song of joy. And is that your joy this Christmas season? That you may be busy. Would you challenge yourself that when someone asks you this week, how you been? The first thing that don't come out of your mouth is, man, I'm just so busy. <laughs> what else can you say? Zechariah's son, John, John the Baptist, prepared the way for King Jesus. And so I ask you today, has your heart prepared room for Jesus to come into your life situations and the busyness of it all? I'd like to just close off today with this prayer.